We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. What a day in the NBA. Thought we might as well jump over here onto Twitter Spaces and chat a little bit about what happened, the Donovan Mitchell deal, what this means for the Lakers. Obviously, the three-team trade that we'd heard all about between the Knicks, the Lakers, Jazz, completely dead. So what does that mean next for the Lakers? Are we staring down Russell Westbrook walking into training camp with the Lakers? Can they find a deal before then? A lot of things for us to get into here. Joining me as of this moment, we may have some other Lakers Nation staff members jumping in as well. But Sean Spaces Davis, true to his name, here to chat a little bit. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I would like to apologize to some of the Laker Nation fans. I had a tweet earlier that uh, apparently made some people think I had a source saying a Russ deal was done. And that's not what I saw that. That's not what I was intending at all. So my bad, guys. <laughs> I saw that. You, you sounded the alarms a little bit there. People were thinking that some sort of a deal was was done and finished and ready to go. And that obviously was was not the case. But in any event, we're here. We made it. The Lakers don't have a deal that's done. It could happen, though. You know what? Here's the thing. Keith Smith and I have been talking about this a bit on the front office show. NBA teams typically, we talk about training camp being kind of a soft deadline. Labor Day is kind of a soft deadline. Like a lot of teams want their roster. They want to have everything set at the conclusion of Labor Day weekend. I mean, that's coming up on Monday, right? So... If the Lakers do something here, and I'm not saying that some deadline that if nothing happens by then, nothing's going to happen, period. I think a lot of teams are scrambling in the wake of this Donovan Mitchell trade and and trying to readjust to an ever-shifting NBA landscape. But typically, teams want to have stuff done by around Labor Day weekend at the latest. So who knows? Maybe fireworks are just hours away, Sean. We never know with the NBA. But when the Donovan Mitchell trade went down, what was your initial reaction to it? What did, what did you think? Like, was your initial thought, oh my gosh, good for the Cavs? Oh my gosh, great for the, the Jazz or bad for either team? Or was it just, oh no, what does this mean for the Lakers? Um, I, I guess I reacted more of a basketball fan first. And my initial reaction was, you know, wow. I, I thought this was a win-win deal, Trevor. 
for for both sides personally i think um for the Cavs, you know you really go all in um which i love um you, you got the young group of guys that you didn't have to trade any of them we're talking about garland um jared allen evan mobley didn't have to trade any of those guys you have the coaching with jb bickerstaff so Going all in, you have a three-year window with Donovan Mitchell. Hopefully you can convince him to stay around in Cleveland. And then from Utah's perspective, man, you got I still think you got a really decent haul from Cleveland. And then now they really start to rebuild. They just hired Will Hardy, a former Celtics assistant coach, to a five-year deal. So you're starting the rebuild the right way, which I love. And I love the fact that Utah is just embracing it and not you know, trying to be mediocre for a couple of seasons because then you're setting your franchise even even further back. And now they have, what, 11 first-round picks over the next six seasons, some, something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a great deal from both sides. Um, and Cleveland, man, they're they're going to be really, really scary this year and for the next couple, next couple seasons. Yeah, I think that it will be. I think – a few of the reasons why this deal got done, I think when you look at the first round picks that actually went out, and yeah, the Jazz have a ton of first now, but the Jazz were actually really smart in that they got the Cavs to be willing to push the picks that they were getting further down the line. I think they have 2025, 2027, 2029. You've got a really young Cavs team right now that's probably going to be pretty good for the next few years. So I think this was part of the appeal that not enough people are talking about uh, for the for the Jazz to do this is, Not only were they getting a lot of picks, but they got picks at a time where, in their mind, hopefully the Cavs, something has happened by then. Maybe Donovan Mitchell, look, he's a free agent in 2025. Maybe he leaves. Now you've got more valuable picks, where if those were picks that you're getting right now, well, the Cavs are going to be pretty good in the Eastern Conference, like you said. And so I think this is a really nice deal for both teams. It's a bit of a risk for the Cavs side, but this team was bad for so long. I don't fault them for going all in here and, and trying to get something done. I think the the big loser in this is the Knicks, um, you know, feeling for <laughs> Knicks fans. And I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to pick on the Knicks, but the deal was right there to get done. They tried to put in an imaginary deadline of, hey, Jazz, you'd better make this move. Otherwise, Monday night, if you don't agree to this deal, we're going to give RJ Barrett a contract extension. You're not really going to be able to trade for him. That's going to complicate things. We really will do it. And then they went ahead and did it. The Jazz called their bluffs. The Knicks did it. The Jazz got upset and they said, fine, screw it. We're going to go trade them to the to the Cavs then. And the Cavs wisely stepped up and said, hey, you what do you think? You want to talk trade now? And they got the thing done. The Knicks missed out. This was their chance to land a guy. And they missed out. I'm not saying it's definitely going to come back to bite them. Maybe it won't. But I think the loser in this situation right now is the Knicks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, your point about the Cavs really quickly, the two biggest goals in professional sports are, from a team perspective, is one, to make money, unfortunately, and two, to win championships. And it's hard to say the Cavs haven't set themselves up to best try to uh, accomplish those two goals over the next three seasons. Now you have you know, a top 20, the top 25 player in the NBA, uh, for sure, all-star, some, some might say a superstar. Um, so he's going to be he's gonna be helping you selling more tickets. And there's a lot of buzz, I imagine, in Cleveland about the Cavs this year for the first time really since LeBron left. Um, so and, and this is, again, just a really great organizational move by the Cavs 
Because like I just said there at the end, the Cavs over the past, really for the entire 21st century, have been good when LeBron James was around. And now you have a, a young group of guys, um, and there's a superstar or a star on the market in Donovan Mitchell. You, you pull the trigger, and now you have a chance to do something really, really cool uh, for the city and for the state of Ohio over the next uh, couple of years. All right. So, Sean, most of the people that joined us here, and by the way, guys, we are going to bring people on to uh, to discuss things with us. But let's get into the Lakers. We've talked about the Knicks. We've talked about the Jazz a little bit about the Cavs. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Lakers. That's what we're here for. What do you think in terms of the, the Lakers situation? What's going to happen now? There is no three-team trade between the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Jazz. That's gone. Kyrie Irving, that's gone. What do you do now? If you're if you're Rob Palenka and your options are dwindling in order to make some kind of a move to part ways with Russell Westbrook before training camp, I think you go to I think you go to Utah. I think Utah makes the most sense. Um, like I just mentioned, you know they're um, really embracing the rebuild. They have a bunch of guys that are not rebuilding pieces. They are win now pieces uh, with some long term contracts as well. Like. Conley has two years left on his deal. Then the second year of his deal, I believe it's basically at minimum $14 million on, on your books and at most at $24 million on your books, I believe. So you have a, a couple of win now pieces that could help the Lakers, whether it's a combination of like Conley, Bo, uh, Bojan Bajanovic, Um Okay, Sean, sure. let's, let's, let's pause for just a second there at Mike Conley. Because you're, you're right about his, his contract. It's like 13, 14 million guaranteed right in between there for next year, which means if you cut him, you're still paying him like 13 or 14 million dollars. It's not like you can just part ways with him and off you go. If it was, he'd be a much more valuable contract right. as it is. Tell me, am I wrong here, Sean? Mike Conley, he was horrible in the playoffs. If I'm the Lakers and I have to take, I'm not, I'm not trying to get Mike Conley. If I have to take Mike Conley, I'm expecting that either I don't have to give up a, an extra first round pick. Or I'm getting I'm getting Jared Vanderbilt. Something has to be coming back. Am I, am I crazy here to think that Mike Conley? I look, he's a big name. He's been a great player. He's a negative value on this contract, right? Yes, but honestly, I think the Jazz have shown, like with under Danny Ainge, with this whole Donovan Mitchell situation, that they're willing to play hardball and they're they're willing to look at the Lakers and look at Rob Blake, like, okay, cool, you run you roll into next season, Russell Westbrook on on your books and on, and on your roster still. Um, so with any other team and any other general manager, I'd probably say yes. I, I, I would agree with you. But honestly, I think I think Danny Ainge would look Rob in, in his face and say, okay, cool. Watch. You're, watch. You think we're going to budge? No, you're going to go into the season of a Russ on your roster, um, which sucks. But I, I think that's how that would play out personally. Okay. So – Here's the options from from the Jazz. Because, look, the Lakers and the Jazz already made a trade, right? Patrick Beverly for THD and Stanley Johnson. That matters. Sometimes when you make a trade, you, you develop that relationship. Weird to think of the Lakers working with Danny Ainge. But but Justin Zanuck is the guy who really, you know, he's the GM for the, for the Jazz. So they've already made one trade. You go back to Utah. The pieces that you could potentially get, right? Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich. You've got Jordan Clarkson. You've got... Beasley, and then you've got you've got what Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's that's what we're what we're talking about here, right? Mm -hmm. So 
of those pieces, what's the one piece, if you're the Lakers, what's the one guy that you say, I need to walk away from this trade with this player's Malik Beasley is Bayon Bogdanovich. Who's, who's your guy that you say, we must get this guy in a trade. I think pretty much in any trade, I'm asking for Bojan Bogdanovich or Bayon. Um, I'm asking for him. He's a, he's another wing that can really shoot and is a okay, serviceable defender. And the Lakers just need more wings. Um, so that's the one guy that you could pair him with honestly, whoever. And I think I'd at least be okay with it. Um, if it's him and Malik, Malik Beasley, or if it's him and, I mean, even if it's him and Mike Conley, I'm like, okay, cool, we got Bojan. Um, if it's him and Jordan Clarkson, my preferred package, um, th- I, I think you have to get him in a deal, um, personally. And, you know, like with his salary, he's uh, $19.5 million, I believe, this season, and then he's expiring. Um, so um, I, think, I think he's the guy I'd be targeting. He's a scheme fit. I think he'd be great under Darvin Ham. Agreed. Bogdanovich is the top of my list as well. That's who you're targeting. That's the main piece. That's the look. There, there's just not much that the Jazz have that I'm thinking. I really want to get these other guys coming in. Bogdanovich, I think, is a great fit on the wing. Not a great defender, but you know what? You you need shooting right now for the Lakers. You need somebody who can put the ball in the basket. Bogdanovich fits that. So check that box. Older player, right? 33 years old, but still, that's the top of my list as of right now. After that, though. Look, you're going to have to stack up a few more salaries. Who else would you want in a hypothetical deal with with the Jazz? Uh, Jordan Clarkson. I think that's my preferred pairing. Um, pairing Jordan Clarkson with um, Bogdanovich. Clarkson was great under LeBron in Cleveland and under an offense with LeBron. I think he would really be optimized and offensively, uh, I'm trying to find a really good comparison from when Darvin Ham was in Milwaukee, but I don't want to say Brent Forbes because I feel like his game is more dynamic than Brent Forbes. But yeah. the ways that they would use Brent Forbes off of screens and stuff like that to get him open and the little two man games with uh, Giannis and Brent Forbes, so something like that, I think it'd be a great scheme fit. And then I think you could hide him in some defensive lineups as well. So that that's definitely the other guy. And that's why I think my preferred package is Jordan Clarkson and um, Bogdanovich. But uh, welcome in Tony or the truth hurts, the Darvin Ham enthusiast. Tony, uh, what, what do you think, man? Who, what would be your preferred uh, jazz package if that was the deal to be made? Uh, thank you for clearing me up. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with you. Uh, Anything that can get us going on. Uh, at this point, I'm desperate. You know, Conley, come on, Conley. Clarkson, come on, Clarkson. Whatever you can give me, just get Westbrook off the team. I, I just don't <laughs> understand how you can watch what Westbrook did last season and think, yeah, let's bring him back. Yeah, let's run it back. Let's bring in some more people. Yeah, let's, let's run with him. I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I just hope that Plinkin could use a little common sense and try to get an actual team, I think he's too stuck on the third superstar kind of dimension. You know, we want to chip with a good team. It wasn't just three people and a support cast. It was AD, LeBron, and your people that's ready to hustle, that can shoot, ready to defend. So, to be honest, Boyan, Conley, Clarkson, anyone that can help us be an actual team. That's about it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Bogdanovich is the cleanest fit out of any player you can get from Utah. Um, and not, 
Now, Tony, would you put Bogdanovich in your starting five, or would he be like your sixth man coming off the bench if you traded for him? Uh, depending on the pieces we get back, I think you can slide him at the three or the two. Um, it would have to be so. Say if we got like Clarkson and Boyan, I can see Clarkson at the two, Pat Bev at the one, Braun at the three, Davis at the four. Maybe you can put. Jones at the five, Brian at the four, but Brian isn't that good of a defender, but you can put Jones at the five. Um, I don't, if Kendrick Nunn is ready, then he can be the sixth man, but I don't know the status on Kendrick Nunn. So it's kind of a tricky one, depending on what we get back. All right. Well, thanks, Tony. We appreciate you for hopping on, man, and a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So here's my, my question with all that, because I, I think that. You can make an argument, hey, Bogdanovich fits, great. Clarkson, you can find a role for him. I don't know if they need more guards, but you could find a role for Jordan Clarkson. Look, Mike Conley, and maybe if you think Kendrick Nunn doesn't have anything left or, or something, I don't. There's, you can find a role there. He's got a very, very clearly defined role in the NBA. Jared Vanderbilt, yes, sign me up. Would love to bring him in. But out of all these pieces, Malik Beasley as well, bring in that shooting. Out of all these pieces, though, the question really for the Lakers isn't so much can you find ways to make these guys fit, because you can, and we can make our lists, and we can figure out who's the who would be the best options and all of that. The question is, if the Jazz say, we need both firsts, we need one first to take on Russell Westbrook and one first to give you decent players in return, that is the cost. Is it worth it? Is it worth it if you're the Lakers to give up both first, which means then you don't you don't have any more first that you can give up in a deal. You're pushing all the way out to 2031 by the time you can finally make a, a first round pick trade again. Is it worth it to spend all of your future first round pick capital, tradable first round pick? The Lakers have other firsts, but tradable first round picks to get Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Is that enough to get you where you want to go. I think that's really the decision that the Lakers have to make right now in terms of a jazz trade. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't sound too, too good, but I mean, your options are either that or punting a season with LeBron James, which is definitely something that you don't want to do. So while in any normal scenario, or, or let's just put it this way, if LeBron was 30, I don't think you even think about pulling the trigger on this because you have LeBron for you know another 10 years at this point seeing how long he he's been able to keep his body in shape and still be a top five player in the world but he's 37 going on 38 so I do think you you have a little bit more urgency to rush and get something done that you might not be willing to get done in, in a normal season um so and honestly this gives you a better shot than uh, w- this gives you a better shot at winning a title than what you currently have. So personally, if they if they pulled the trigger on, I can't be too too mad at them for it. All right. I mean, I I get it. You don't want to waste a year, of LeBron. But I'm always looking at value in trades, and if that's what's on the table, cost two first. I don't know. Like part, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to say this, but part of me wonders if. Do you just bring Russ into the season and you wait and you see, does somebody become disgruntled somewhere else? And next thing you know, and I don't know who this player would be, but next thing you know, the next star-ish or or like quasi-all-star level player gets upset and there's the Lakers 
waiting with open arms come December or January with a massive expiring contract and a couple of first round picks and off you go. It's a gamble, but I just don't know if just getting a couple of what was it that that um, that Woj called them the the spare parts. <laughs> spare parts. Hold on, wait. Spare- Really, so really mean. quick, man. Shout out to Scorpio Sky, man. His, his response to that is hilarious. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And um, actually, I want to welcome in Alan. I want to throw this question to him. What What does next season look like for the Lakers if you do bring in Russell Westbrook? In are you willing to, you know, see what Darvin Ham's vision is for Russ, and then if it doesn't go too well, like Trevor was saying, maybe you try something at the deadline for maybe a player does get disgruntled. Uh, do you, is that an option in your mind, Alan? Um, yeah, and I appreciate you guys for bringing on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an option. I mean, you have to look at – you have to kind of, I guess, look at the big picture. Um, try not to be, I guess, look through purple and gold lenses like we all tend to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do think it's uh, something that we do have to uh, we have to do look at. But I don't know honestly what the <laughs> what next year looks like. To be honest, it's kind of uh, scary to think about that we have to bring Russ back. Um, but um, I mean, we're gonna have a lot of cap space, so I mean, I don't know who we can ideally bring back. But I mean, it'd be interesting to see. To be honest, yeah. Um- I don't know what Alan is is bringing Russ back. Is that the doomsday scenario, or are you are you willing to you know give Russ? I mean, give Darvin Ham a shot, even if like you know there's nothing you can do at the deadline, or you like no, we got to get something done because this is ponting the season with LeBron. No, I mean Russ really cannot be that bad from last year. So I mean, you got to give you got to give him you got to give him a chance to at least attempt. To see if he can make Russ fits. I mean, it's funny that we have to say that, but yeah, I think you got to give him a chance. All right, thanks, Alan, for uh, hopping on. Let's Trevor. Trevor, you want to respond to that? I, I just want to throw this out there. Are we at a point where there's no good options? I was actually going to ask uh, Trevor. That is like, what, <laughs> what is our next option? Like, is there something really like out there? Like, do we involve Charlotte Spurs? Like, is there an ideal option right now out there to like yeah. get rid of Russ? Like, is there? I mean, or I'm are just we not... at that point? Like, we're yeah. just pulling the alarms already, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm not that excited about anything coming back from the Jazz. <laughs> like, if it's if you can get the stuff from the, from the Jazz, if it's Bogdanovich and, and whatever you're going to add in, and you and you only have to give up one first, okay, that that leaves you a little bit of, of powder left to go make another move down the road. So you can kind of give yourself a little bit of boost right now, maybe clear the air by moving on from Russ, and, and you're fine. Off you go. But if you have to give up per, both first, it's not necessarily even just about the value. It's about the fact that you can't make other moves mm-hmm. after that because you are now completely devoid of, of future first-round picks that you can trade. So I don't know what else. If you go back to the Pacers, are the Pacers going to do a deal? And even then, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, is that – is that enough to turn you into a contender to get you where you want to go? And this is the dilemma for the Lakers. It's almost, I'm almost thinking we're at a point where they've got to pull in some team that we're not hearing anything about. Yeah. And something, something big would have to go down because it feels like the options are dwindling. And I just don't see much out there where I say, yep, that's the move that's worth from the Lakers perspective, giving up both first for. Yeah. And especially you got to deal with Danny. Ainge, so. <laughs> so have fun with that. I want to. Yeah, know. that that is that's a whole other 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That. So it's 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 a situation that we're in right now, and it's really interesting. And I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. To be honest with you, I want to throw this to both of you guys really quickly before we let you go, Alan. Mm-hmm. Let's say you can send Russ to you. One of the teams we brought up with San Antonio. Let's say you can send Russ to San Antonio for. I'm not sure if the might they might have to add in another salary, but like the baseline of the deal would be Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson for Russ. We only give up one pick. Or you deal with Utah for Bogdanovich and Clarkson, and uh, I think they might have to throw in Rudy Gay, for example. Or, or and Trevor that goes for you too. Which deal are you doing? Are you doing the Utah deal? Or are you get going to San Antonio and taking McDermott and uh, Josh Richardson? <laughs> I think. <laughs> or neither. Are we saying you know what? Screw it, Russ. <laughs> come on down. I think uh, you try to go Utah. And if you can't get anything done, you just have to bring Russ back, unfortunately. So for me, if it's I don't know if this is what you're trying to put out there, but if it's the Spurs deal and one pick or the Jazz deal and two picks. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm doing the I'm doing the Spurs deal because Josh Richardson gives you that wing help. Doug McDermott, I don't like his contract for the second year, but but the only giving up one draft pick plus and depending on what that other contract that you mentioned would have to be added in there, you're probably gonna get a trade exception out of that. Because Russ is forty-seven million, and and the Spurs can absorb some of that salary, you'd have it would be somewhere off the top of my head, somewhere around twenty-four, twenty-five million with just Josh, Josh Richardson and McDermott. So you'd be generating a pretty sizable trade exception as well. If you can get all that, I, sign me up. I, I would do I would do that deal, especially if the cost was only was only one first. Hmm. That's interesting. Would you be? Would would there be like a player out there to go get? I mean, would Reddish still kind of be on the table if something like that can happen? Reddish would fall under the. Uh, you, you could use him with the trade exception for sure. I mean, yep. if you're generating like a twenty-five million dollar trade exception, hopefully you have somebody else in mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. But who? I mean, at that point, I mean, we're going to get Buddy, maybe. Yeah, you just have to have some sort of a draft asset to attach to that, unless you find a player who just the other the other team just really doesn't want them. At that point, the, the Lakers probably don't want that player either. But you need to have something, something of value beyond just hey, we'll absorb this salary for most players that you would take into into a trade exception. But that's where you know keeping an extra first would go a long way. Again, though, I think I think the Lakers are in a spot where pretty much every team they're going to dig their heels in the sand. They're going to say both firsts for any deal. And they're going to wait and see if the Lakers cave and think that as we get closer to training camp, the Lakers are going to panic and they're going to push in both first and they're going to get what they want out of it. So it's really going to be a test of Rob Palenka. Like we've, we've had a lot of moments here for Rob Palenka to show what he's worth. This is going to be a very big one, how he handles the next three weeks or so. This is going to be a critical juncture here for the Lakers and in, in either making a trade or not making a trade. I, I say all the time, sometimes no trade is, is the best course. No trade is better than a bad trade. So what decision Rob Palenka and the Lakers make here, man, th- this could be really important for the future of the franchise. I mean, for years to come. No, I agree. I completely agree with you guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for hopping on Alan. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. All right, um, Trevor, I wanted to ask you this before we brought somebody back up here. Um, what do the Lakers look like from your perspective if you're rolling with Russell Westbrook and let's say Utah's playing hardball so much, you're just like, nope, never mind. 
Uh, San Antonio's not interested. I think we can agree Charlotte's most likely out of the equation because of this whole Miles Bridges situation. But who knows, wild things happen. Um, what does it look like from your perspective uh, if you bring Russ into training camp, you bring Russ back next season? So if I'm the Lakers and I'm bringing Russell Westbrook back into training camp, I am doing, I'm doing that just to give Darvin Ham the chance. But before I before I get to the point where, because a lot of people have talked about, well, if you can't find a trade, you just send Russ home, right? We've heard that a lot. I'm at the point if I'm the Lakers where I give Darvin Ham the chance before I'm going to pay Russell Westbrook forty seven million dollars to sit at home, sit on the couch, and not play basketball for me. I need to give Darvin Ham the shot to make it work. I don't think it's going to work. On paper, it doesn't make sense. I'm skeptical. But until you step on that court, you don't know for sure. Last season was a mess. Last season was a disaster. But you know what? Russell Westbrook's back is up against the wall, too. What's free agency going to look like for him next year if he comes into camp with the Lakers and still can't figure out a way to fit and still doesn't look like he can play in the modern NBA? Well, I shouldn't say can't play in the modern. He can play, but doesn't look like he's ready to take on the kind of role that's needed for him to stick in the NBA, that he still wants to play the same style of basketball. There's a lot on the line here for Russ, too. And maybe Russ decides, you know what? I'm Russell Westbrook. I play this way, and that's it. But we don't know for sure what that's going to look like until they actually step onto the floor. So I'm giving Darvin Ham that chance, while at the same time making sure that it's clear that if it doesn't work, then okay, we go ahead and we move forward with pulling a John Wall with Russell Westbrook. And you send him home and you say, okay, Patrick Beverly is our starting point guard now. Let's build out our, our rotation from here. And off we go with some pieces that fit a bit better and we'll work during the season to find a trade. That's my approach if I'm the Lakers. I'm at least giving it a chance and seeing if there's some way to make it work. And maybe you're pleasantly surprised. If not, at least you can say you tried before you committed to paying someone $47 million to sit at home. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I can agree with that, Trevor. And I, I, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic the on-court fit will be fine. Um, but I, I agree, you at least have to give Darvin Ham a shot. But Wait, you're optimistic the on-court fit is going to work with Russ. Cautiously optimistic. Okay, like, okay. I, I, that's awesome because I'm I'm not at all. So why are you optimistic that it could that it the on-court fit could work? I think the Patrick Beverly trade makes me a little bit more cop, uh, optimistic about it. Um, bringing Pat Bevin. Uh, as long as they can get along together and not, you know, have uh, black each other's <laughs> eyes before the season starts. Um, I, I think Patrick Beverly does make the fit a little bit easier because Pat Bev, I mean, he is the floor spacer that typically Russ likes. That It makes Russ's uh, encore game better. He's a 38% career three-point shooter. Um, he didn't shoot too well last year, but you'd have to imagine playing with LeBron and AD, he'd be getting some of the best looks of his career. And then defensively, um, Pat Bev also allows you to hide Russ a little bit better defensively. So like if you're playing Golden State, for an example, instead of Russ guarding Stephen Curry, you have Patrick Beverly guarding Stephen Curry. And now... Russ, if you can have him guard Clay Thompson, if Clay tries to post Russ up personally, I like that matchup because Russ, I think, is uh, physical enough to be able to, to handle that matchup. 
if if Clay were to do that, Clay does love his uh, mid range post work. But um, and that's not even me. But that's without me talking about Darvin Ham and Trevor. You know, I'm, I was probably higher than anybody on Darvin Ham coming in. So I'm cautiously optimistic as long as Russ and Patrick Beverly don't fight each other twice a week um, in practice. Yeah, I, I'm I just, cautiously optimistic. I just don't see that happening. I just don't see that happening at all. I mean, the history that these guys have. I mean. Patrick Beverly broke his knee, for Christ's sake. I mean, I, I don't understand what the Lakers are doing in terms of this. Like, the best situation for us is just to offload Russ and these two draft picks to Indiana, bring in Hill, bring in Turner. They both bring in something that we desperately need, which is shooting and defense. I mean, Miles Turner, for crying out loud, he led the lead in, in blocks, I, I think, was it back? And I just, I really feel like he can play the five and AD can play the four where he really wants to play. And it, I feel like that's just the best scenario. I don't know what they're doing. They just need to, like, those two players instantly make us a contender. So I just really feel like they just need to just stop stalling. I don't know what they're waiting for. They're playing hardball. It's just, it's so unnecessary. Well, well welcome in, first of all. Uh, Thank I you. believe it's, it's TJ? Tristan, Tristan. Right? Tristan. Oh, Tristan, okay. Tristan, welcome welcome in. Thank you very I'm, much. If, if you're right, that Buddy Heald and Miles Turner make the Lakers a contender, and I, I'm not sure I'm there. But if that's correct, and if that's the Lakers' mindset, then you give up both the picks. Then, then, then that makes sense, right? You give up both the picks if that turns you into a contender. Yeah, of course. I think that's the line they need to draw. If that's if that's the way they see those two guys, then do it, right? Yeah, of course, of course. I just, I, I, I honestly feel like. I mean, they're just bringing two things that we need. We need shooting. We don't really have a lot of shooting right now. I mean, they signed... I don't know if Cole Swider... I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I don't know if, if he's going to be on the squad this year. But if he is, he's probably going to be our best shooter. Can you imagine? He's an undrafted rookie. Shooting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What yeah. if, what if any, what if Rob, and this is something we don't know, what if Rob has offered two first round picks? Indian just said no. Because also the report from Michael Scotto, uh, I believe yesterday, about the initial Indiana offer was what, uh, Trevor did a video on it. It was Russ, THT, two first, and we had to take on Tyson's salary or, or right. something Daniel ridiculous Tyson's goodness, like yep. that. So, I mean, Tyson what if, what if Rob's offered it and, Indiana is just like, yeah, no, no thanks. I, I think that's something we do forget when we talk about trades is it is still a two-way street. 
that both teams have to say yes on it. It is, it is very annoying that um, Indiana traded Malcolm Brogdon for a bag of Cheetos, but they wouldn't play hardball with us. Um, but it is a two-way street with trades. And, I mean, what, what if they just said no to Rob and they don't want to do it? So I think that's something you have to consider as well. That's very true. That's very true. In that case, then, what do you? I, 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 if that if that deal is is off the cards, then I feel like our best bet is just to go for a package with Utah with Bogdanovich and maybe maybe Jordan Clarkson. You know, Jordan Clarkson at the two, Pat Bev at the one, um, LeBron at the three, AD at the four, and either Jones or Bryant at the five. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll probably go with Damian Jones because Bryant is not really that much of a defender. Uh, Trevor just biggest smile on his face when he said Damian Jones. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. I mean, post ACL, was it? What, did he did he tell his ACL, Thomas Bryant? Yes, I, I do think it was. It yeah, um, he, he could play defense. Um, I'm just I'm just not completely sold on him post ACL. So. Um, we're probably going to have to go with Damian Jones at the five. I mean, I feel like AD pl- played his best basketball with the Lakers when he was beside either JaVale McGee or Dwight in that first in, in, in that second stint that he came back with us. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have to prove that he's healthy, right? Thomas Bryant's going to have to prove that he's healthy in order to be part of that rotation. And then from there, you've got to, you've got to figure out exactly what the rest of the rotation is going to look like. Maybe that involves Miles Turner. Maybe that involves uh, Buddy Heal. But it depends on what, how the Lakers view those players, and then what kind of a deal you can actually work out with the Pacers. Because I mean, those are the only options we've heard right now that are still out there: the Pacers and the Jazz, and that's that's about it. The options are dwindling. I don't really see Russell Westbrook playing after this season. Like anyway, he's so stuck in his mentality of "I am Russell Westbrook, and I will forever be Russell Westbrook." But he's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It drives me mad every day thinking about Russell Westbrook playing another season with the Lakers. Honestly, after last year, oh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't go through that again. I cannot go through that. <laughs> that last year was was rough. It was. Last it was, was terrible for so many reasons. It was. It was so difficult to to sit through. I I sure hope that's not what we encounter again this season. Whether or not it involves Russell Westbrook. All right, Chris. Uh... Thanks for hopping on. I'm going to get to a few more people, but I do appreciate dropping on and uh, adding great conversation. Thanks. Thanks. Man, Trevor, am I am I crazy for uh, having optimism or cautious optimism, as I said, that uh, we could get this to work if you have to bring Russ in? Am I crazy? I, I think you're just trying to steal Matt Peralta's bit. <laughs> I think I think that's what's what's going on here. You're just trying to take Matt Peralta's bit, trying to take his spot over there. And uh, and I'm gonna have to let him know about that. Oh man, I, I don't want no problems, Matt. If you're listening, <laughs> no beef. People think me and Matt hate each other though, legitimately. So maybe this can add fuel to the fire. <laughs> That's fine. I had no idea that was even a thing. Uh, but let's welcome in Evo. Evo, what's on your mind, man? Uh, what's up? I just um, thank you for having me on. I'll be. I guess I'll be the one to flip the script and play devil's advocate for Russ. Uh, Sean, you mentioned it, though, uh, cautious optimism. Um, I think that's perfect because the last season was the first year you really saw Russ at his low of lows. Um, I do think he can be better, and just like everything else on the Lakers, he's a huge if. You're preying on the upside of him. 
But with the new circumstances and AD, LeBron healthy, Darvin Ham, you could see an elevated Russ in comparison to what we saw last year. With all that being said, though, I I do think that offloading Russ is still the best option for the Lakers. But I'm there. There is still something to be sort of excited about with Russell Westbrook. It's not all gloom. Yay! I'm not crazy. No, but, <laughs> well, um, I, I don't know if that's proof that you're not crazy, but it's just a proof that maybe you're you, you're onto something there. I still think you're crazy, but um, <laughs> when when we're looking at Russ, yeah, look, there's there is a multiverse, a, a universe out there where Russell Westbrook fits with the Lakers this next season. I just don't know if you can find that or not, and what does that universe actually actually look like? Um, is it post-apocalyptic and it's in ruins because that's what it would take for the fit to work? I don't, I don't know, but I think that the Lakers are gonna are going to if they bring him into training camp, they're going to do everything they can to try to make it work. I'm just maybe this is just me protecting myself because I don't want to get my hopes up. I'll be honest, I don't want to get my hopes up on this, and so I am going to be skeptical and I'm going to assume that it's not going to work until we see it work on the floor. And I'll, I'll tell you this: if we saw it work. At all. If we saw glimpses last season, I could latch on to that. I could look at that and I could say, see, that's what it took. It was just LeBron, AD, and Russ just needed to be together on the floor and everything was fine. Then I could look at this season and I could say, you know what? With a little bit of health, they could get this done. They could be something here. But we never saw it. We never saw it work at all last season. And so I'm going to be skeptical until we see it. If we see it, great. I will praise Russell Westbrook all day if he figures out a way to make things fit, and I would love to be able to tell that story. But until we see it, I'm going to assume it's not going to work. So then, besides um, besides the Pacers deal, which is very clearly the best option, what do you think is next in line? Because I have seen reports that Miles Turner isn't on the table anymore. What what's what's the I guess, backup plan for the backup plan now. Trevor? Miles Turner, if he's not on the table, if that's something where the Pacers aren't, and I don't know if I totally buy that, um, that he's just completely not on the table. I think that the Pacers, if the right deal came along, they would move him. Um, I mean, it begs the question, though, how many picks are you going to have to give up? Do you have to absorb Daniel Tice? All that kind of stuff. The backup, I, I would think that, the only other things out there might be something with San Antonio. We heard rumors a couple of weeks ago that the Lakers had a few other options out there that weren't being reported. I mean, I can't even begin to take a guess of what that would be. Uh, what team would be looking to do something like that? Because most teams, at least, I mean, as far as I can determine, every team that would be trading for Russell Westbrook would not be trading for him to put him on the floor. They'd be trading for his contract for the expiring deal. So looking around the NBA, you're trying to figure out who would want to do that kind of a move. I see the Spurs as a backup, and that's about it. Um, Again, maybe there's a team we haven't heard of. We weren't hearing Cavs. We heard Cavs weren't in on Donovan Mitchell anymore. That That was dead, and then boom, we get hit with it today. So you never know. But the only obvious alternative would be the Spurs, and I'm sure the Spurs aren't super thrilled with doing anything that would help the Lakers. So I don't see a team out there that makes a lot of sense to, to work a deal with. Maybe there's a surprise team, a mystery team, but 
if they don't figure out something with the Jazz or something with the Pacers, I would assume that that would mean that Russ is on this on the team to start the season. And then again, I, I think all in all, if Russ is on the team to start the season, you you don't just immediately send him home. And I think that was Trevor's point earlier. You don't just immediately send him home. You at least you at least let Darvin Ham try. And again, severely cautiously optimistic. Like I, if I had to put money on it, uh, I would not say it would work. But there is a small ounce of optimism in me that uh, Darvin Ham could get to work. But um, Evo, thanks for hopping on, man. We we appreciate the conversation. Appreciate you. Oh, look at look back. Look, looky here. We got the optimist, Trevor. Just as I was, you know, taking his tagline and his Ooh. name, we, <laughs> he we, heard. He, he he sensed it. He sensed it in the universe. He knew what what was going on. Matt, the optimist, Peralta, trying to to connect here. And uh, and join us. His ears were burning apparently because he knew we were we were talking about him. Uh, Matt, I was just I was just giving Sean a hard time for stealing your bit because he said he was being optimistic or cautiously optimistic about Russell Westbrook potentially working with the Lakers next year. Hello, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we, we can hear you. Matt is okay. optimistic, but his connection might not be. No, it's not. I'm outdoors trying to... Uh, it's really hot here in Southern California. <laughs> Matt, I think your your connection is uh, is failing you right now. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor poor cell service saved you there, Sean. I know, right? Uh, Just just my luck. Um... (laughs) I didn't want to get attacked. I'm joking. Well, let's let's bring up uh, one more guest. Why don't you pick somebody and bring out one more before we uh, before we call it an evening here? Let's uh, let's bring on uh, Gamboa ninety. Um, he's connecting right now, but um, yeah, I think this was a successful Twitter space, and Matt's back, but. Um, Gamboa90, man. Well, what, what's on your mind, man? Thanks for hopping on with us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, just one quick thing. If we do bring back 
Russ, how do we fill out the rest of the roster? Trev? So how do you fill out the rest of the roster? I mean, the roster is pretty much filled out. Now, if you bring back Russell Westbrook, you still have a 14th and 15th roster spot you could use. My guess is the Lakers would not use the 15th roster spot. They would leave it open to do something midseason and to lessen their luxury tax bill. And then they would um, try to find somebody to give that 14th roster spot. Maybe you give it to the amazing Spider-Man, Cole Swider, and you bring him up to a full spot. Maybe you give it to Jay Huff and you give him a spot. Maybe it's uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. Maybe you go find somebody out there that's still in free agency. Maybe it's Dennis Schroeder, even though you would already have plenty of point guards. Um, you, you would use that other roster spot, but we're not talking about filling out you know, five or six spots on the roster. The roster is pretty much filled out as it is. We're talking about filling one, maybe two spots if there's no Russell Westbrook trade. Also, what about our wing situation? How do we feel about that going in? That's another situation where I think as long as you can stay healthy, I think you're okay. Um, because you have LeBron in terms of like who's playing your three spot, for example, or maybe your three slash four. LeBron, Troy Brown Jr., who they have to be on. They have to be really high on at this point. They let Stanley Johnson walk. Uh, well, they didn't let him walk. They traded him um, instead of winning Gabriel for um, Patrick Beverly. So they have to be high on Trey Brown Jr. Then you have John, Juan Toscano-Anderson, who I really like as well, um, who I think is going to be a really, really valuable piece to this team next year and a really good role player for him. Um, so it, it'd be nice to have more depth pieces and more guys you know, in there. But um, in terms of the guys that we have, I think they're okay as long as we can stay healthy. Obviously, we'd love to have, like, another guy or two other, though. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Losing Stanley Johnson, that hurt. But I, I think they're going – with Juan Toscano, I understand. LeBron is a wing. Anthony Davis, you can kind of use as a wing as well. Troy Brown Jr., you've got some guys that can, that can play for you out there on the wing. Lonnie Walker can do it. So – I won't say that the wing is a position of strength. I mean, it is because LeBron's out there, but it's not like their wing depth is like what the Clippers have or something where you've got Nicholas Batum, you've got Marcus Morris, you've got uh, Robert Covington is out there that can float between the, the four and the five a little bit for you. You've got all these wing pieces, and heck, they added Norman Powell as well. They've got all these players. The Lakers don't have that kind of depth and quality, but the wing position isn't quite as... Barron as it was last year, although that's a pretty low bar here to uh, to clear. So that's the way I, I see the wing position. I'm I, I'm not as concerned about it. I'd feel better if Stanley Johnson was still on the team, but I think they can get by with what they've got. Do you consider bringing back Marquise Morris even potentially? He's a free agent now, and uh, he really went to the Nets. Yeah, he's in with the Nets. Yeah, he went, he went to the Nets. Yeah, so look at me living underneath a rock. That's on <laughs> me, guys. All right. Well, Gamboa, thank you so much for coming on here and joining us. We appreciate it. And it uh, looks like Shub hopped on here before we call it an evening. Shub, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, guys. Sorry to extend, uh, you know, your cutoff time, but good to, good to hear from you guys. How are you guys doing? No, all good. Always, always, always happy to uh, to talk a little bit more Lakers. So what's your what were your thoughts when everything went down today with Donovan Mitchell? And where do you see the Lakers heading from here? Yeah, no, I was pretty shocked, just like everyone else. And it kind of, the 
the way I applied it to kind of our situation is like kind of what you said, Trevor, is that anything's on the table, anything's on the table at this point. And so even the teams that we're not talking about, I know we saw the same report about like five teams, uh, you know, we've been in contact with or even more, you know, uh, anything's on the table. But if you really do look at every single team and we've had ample time as Laker fans to do that, um, you know, the rebuilding teams really are the ones that do make sense to take on Russ's contract for the reasons you said. So, you know, just throw in, you know, Charlotte back in the mix or San Antonio in the mix would be like smart to keep an eye on, you know, just in case those things happen. Because I like Sean's point about at the end of the day, we can scream it from the heavens all we want. Indiana can just say no. They, they don't need to have a good reason. They don't need to have, you know, <laughs> even though it makes logical sense from our end of things, they don't they don't have to take the deal. So it just made me more aware of, uh, you know, around the association and in keeping op- options open, which you have to do as a GM in this league. So Teams can say no. What a, what a concept, right? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I think we forget that in the trade machine era, Sean, because we have the, we see trade is successful, but that means both sides say yes. So it's pretty, pretty funny concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, the difficult part here is, is that if a team decides, like, let's say the Pacers just, just decide, you know what, Miles Turner, he didn't work with Domitas Sabonis, but we feel like it's going to work better now. Let's give this a shot. And then, Hey, call us in January, call us in February, at the trade deadline. And maybe we can discuss something then that that's teams do that kind of stuff all the time. And then you've got another option for the Lakers that could be off the board if that's indeed the way this goes. So you do have to be flexible. You do have to try to keep your options open as much as you can. Who knows? You know, it would be as long as it's a good deal, it would be a lot of fun. If some random team like tomorrow, we get a Woj bomb that some random teams trading for, for Russell Westbrook, but it's like, right. You know, the Hornets or, or the magic or, or some, you know, whoever, that would be a lot of fun as as long as it's a good deal and it's not one of those deals where you just facepalm and you know it's not Ivica Zubats to the Clippers or something like that. Exactly, and that that's just kind of where I'm concerned at Trevor is that I don't know how many more good deals exist at this point of the offseason. Like I, that's where my concern is at is where I'm not necessarily thinking they're never going to take a bad deal the front office or Genie, but I just think that you know incremental moves like might have to be under consideration at this point just because of how long this has dragged on and how a lot of these teams and you know kind of these suspenseful trades what a la kevin durant or donna mitchell are now completed we're kind of the only team left in flux that still have moves to be made if i'm not mistaken so i i, I don't know the desperation is definitely creeping up at least on the outside of things uh, that doesn't mean they're going to make a bad deal by any any stretch, but I think we're in alignment of what you kind of talked about. Where I think a lot of Laker fans are going to have to accept, you know, getting rid of both picks if they're unprotected at this point. But that's just my opinion. Okay, so let me so let's hit you with this then to to close things out here. This may very well be the situation the Lakers are in. You can get your pick of the spare parts, if that's what we're going to start calling them, from, from Utah, but you have to give up both first unprotected. So you have to, whatever pieces you want, it's Mike Conley, it's it's Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, whatever those guys you want, Malik Beasley, but you got to put in both of those first unprotected. Do you do it? Um, I, I, would, I would wait seven to ten more days and hit up Indiana for about a week straight and just ask them how the weather's going every single day and 
can keep in contact. <laughs> but uh, if it comes down to it in 10 days, I'm doing everything I can to stay away from Mike Conley's contract. So, you know, if that includes a Beasley, Clarkson, uh, and Bogdanovich. I, I think I would be desperate enough to do that. I, I would be. I would be. Because, again, it's LeBron's prime. You can't waste it. Um, and you have to do everything in your power to be able to uh, give yourself the best shot to do so. And, you know, if we do somehow make some noise this year or even the next year, especially with the uh, financial flexibility you have of those specific contracts, uh, Beasley on a team option, uh, Boyan on the expiring, and then Clarkson on a very team friendly thirteen million for for the value he brings. Um, you, you know, you just you just got to run that risk, in my opinion. But very ask, tough decision. I'm gonna ask you, Trevor, a quick question. I'm gonna shoot Shub one last question. Um, Trevor, this gets sound really really strange, but follow me here. Do you think the Lakers won that Patrick Beverly deal? I think they won the Patrick Beverly deal. Um. In terms of value, I don't think so. We had talked about whether or not giving up THT for Patrick Beverly straight up was worth it. I had thought that that Patrick Beverly in a bigger deal made a lot more sense than just a a straight up one for one. You typically don't want to trade a 21-year-old and then add in a 26-year-old wing defender that you kind of might need for depth piece to get a 34-year-old, particularly if Russell Westbrook's still on the team, Um, which maybe is why, why you're asking this. I think ultimately... It may come down to this. If you make a trade with Russell Westbrook, then the Patrick Beverly trade looks better. And you might push that into the win column if right. Patrick Beverly becomes the starter for you because Russ is elsewhere. Right. My point in asking that as well is, and you've made this point a lot in the past, is, man, what was the last time in terms of pure value you could say, like not in terms of outcome, because if we're being honest, we, we view the Anthony Davis trade as a win because of the outcome. We want a title. But like in terms of the value, when was the last time you could really say the Lakers made a deal? You're like, okay, they, they won that deal. In terms of the value that they gave up and the value they got back, it's a home run. Like We like the Patrick Beverly deal, but it's not because of what we gave up. We like it because, like okay, for one, we're probably not done. And then for two, he's a scheme fit. So, okay, whatever, right? But- uh, Sean, I think in hindsight, it, it's not going to come off this way. But at, at the time, if people do remember, I think Danny Green in a first for Schroeder made a lot of sense. And it did for the season. It, it, it paid off. It, it, it very much was a good trade for that 21 season, for sure. That's fair. That's fair. And then, Shub, the question I want to add to to wrap things up with what I was talking about earlier a little bit. Sure. The doomsday scenario, you have to bring Russ in. How optimistic? Give up the, if any optimism at all. I said I was cautiously optimistic. But where do you fall in terms of how you feel it would work with Russell Westbrook on this team, with Patrick Beverly and under Darvin Ham next year, if you so, have to bring him back? So that's actually what I wanted to come in and talk about, actually, because I, I agree with both sides of what you guys were talking about in terms of the op- optimism piece, uh, if that does become the case. I think. Fans and myself, we, we've seen the the tape and the evidence where Russ can be successful. I think there were a lot of fourth quarters where he actually was successful, uh, a lot being in, in the dunker spot, right? Being a finisher at the basket, uh, taking the ball off his hands more. Um, and then comes the inclusion of off ball, uh, being a screener, 
right? Is Russell Westbrook, when we talk about him adjusting, those are the things people aren't diving into is that can Russell Westbrook be a screener or be a decoy off the ball to then put himself in position to be successful and then make that adjustment for this Los Angeles Lakers team. So bringing in Darvin Ham, if he's come to the realization and he's lived this offseason like we think he's had and we, we've, we've looked at him all offseason, if he does those kinds of things, I think you can make a legitimate argument that it, it can look good on the court. It can look good on the court and you're going to win. You're going to win games. You're going to win games. Where I stand with it, though, and what I've been saying for the past couple of days is that we won 31 or 33 games last year and it didn't work, right? Even if you give Russ the benefit of the doubt and you checkmark all these question marks that have about his game, is he going to be a better finisher? Is he going to be a better shooter? Is he going to be a better defender? All these types of things we want to give him credit for because Darvin Ham is this amazing coach, apparently, and he's going to change that doesn't line up with the expectation of this team. And the expectation of this team is a championship. There's just so much ground to make up that even if you do give Russ all the benefits of the doubts on this checklist that you have for him, there's too much to be a top seed in, in this team on in the league and to get home court advantage and then put yourself in position to win multiple playoff series and then ultimately win the championship. So to go from 31 wins to approximately 55 win plus and winning playoff series, all the all the check marks in the world of Russell Westbrook needs improvements won't get you there. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. So that that's a good point. That even if you get the best, the ideal version of Russell Westbrook to fit with this team, that's probably not going to get you where you want to go. But then the counter, of course, would be: Do the Jazz spare parts get you where you want to go? Do the Pacers guys get you where you want to go? And realist, there's no clear path where you say right. that that path gets us where we want to go. So how they navigate this is going to be fascinating because I think you're right. Even if even if we get shocked and Russell Westbrook completely clicks and they figure out a way to make him just shoot the corner three and and set screens and rebound and suddenly become a better defender, even a league average defender would be a big improvement. You get him to do all those things that still probably doesn't get you where it is that that you want to go. So the Lakers, man, that, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, They're in a tough spot here, and, even if they are able to get the best out of Russ. And the thing is, the reason I would say yes real quick, Trevor, to the Jazz deal and those two picks, sure. that I have less questions about what those players bring to the team mm-hmm. than I do about Russell Westbrook and the things he has to check off as a dominant uh, piece of the puzzle next year, if we're giving him that minutes and giving him that position as the point guard. So that's kind of where why I say yes to that. Also, uh, him being a league average defender isn't even a big leap. It's like it's more than a big leap. Whatever more than right. that is, is uh, that's what it would be. But no, that was an interesting point. I don't think I've heard that perspective of. So I appreciate that uh, angle, Shub. Appreciate sure, you guys always. Thank you guys. All right. Well, I think we're going to call it a night right there. Appreciate everybody for, for joining us. Make sure you do go subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We'll post the, the audio from this over there. And also check out the, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Thanks, everybody. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride for the next few weeks while we wait and see if the Lakers do pull a trigger. Pull the trigger. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow something will get done. Let's speak it into existence. But till then, everybody. See ya and stay safe.